it's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 183. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a very good evening to you all. It's Tuesday the 31st of October. It's Halloween. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. Coming up between now and 8 o'clock. How to revolutionise your digital marketing strategy using artificial intelligence. Yes, it seems to be everywhere. I think it has been for quite a while. But how can you actually begin to leverage AI tools to really propel your business forward? Also, a new legal requirement is set to come in quite soon that will put huge onus on companies to report on your sustainability actions and initiatives. So it's the non-financial reporting as well. And this was first mentioned a couple of years back. And these things can take a while to come in, but it's coming soon. So later, Theresa Han Campbell will be along to tell us exactly Exactly what you need to be looking out from that and how you can get the people in your organisation involved and make them play a key role and part of that too. Also, the new bill, a new bill has been proposed in the Dáil. It's now passed the second stage and it's tipped that it will cut the conveyancing time for new property sales in half. A significant move um, on the way there. So let's find out the latest of that from IPAV's Pat David a little bit later in the show too. That and plenty more to come. And if you want to join the conversation on this evening's show in between the trick-or-treating and answering the doors, you can do so as always by text and WhatsApp on 83 30 10 103. But yes, it is Halloween. So I'm not going to take the easy route and look at things like uh, undertaking businesses or people involved in the more macabre type of stuff. No, let's focus on the real challenges for business and, and look at the positives that businesses are doing out there. But one thing about Halloween that really can't be ignored is the amount of plastic waste it generates. Now, we probably all have a fair idea that behaviour has to change, even consumer behaviour probably has to change a lot in the years ahead if we are to begin to start meeting the initiatives and the requirements of the Climate Action Plan and the Climate Action Bills, etc. But plastic is definitely a huge thing that we all need to look at and, and how we purchase products, how we buy products, how we you know, then reuse or recycle that packaging afterwards. And I think when you think of such stuff like that, you often think of seasons and festivals and parties, and we do seem to generate a huge amount of waste. And if you just pop into Google about plastic waste around Halloween, it will throw back at you some absolutely startling figures, including some recent um, consumer surveys in the UK that said 94% of families planned on buying new costumes for Halloween. Uh, you know, 33 people, 33 million people across in the UK dress up for the holiday every year. Um, 300 million pounds are spent in the UK. You can only just guess what the figure would be in this country here. But actually, 83% on average of Halloween costumes are made from non-recyclable plastic. And the vast majority, if not all of those, end up in the bin within the days or weeks after Halloween. Um, again, quite startling too. When you think about the short life cycle of, of, of things like that, often the quality maybe can be lacking, so there's no choice for people but to bin them. But ultimately, they end up in landfill as well. In the UK, the equivalent of 520 elephants of plastic waste is thrown away at Halloween. And these stats, they just keep going and they just keep giving. And of course, this is only one one little holiday, one little season, and, and we can generate that mu- that amount of waste. And again, their figures are from the UK. You can just imagine how that is replicated across the world too and the issues it presents. So to look at the issue of plastic waste and what we begin to do both at home and in our businesses, even on a day-to-day basis, um, I'd like to be joined by Evelyn Fitzpatrick of the Refill Mill in Mullingar. And Evelyn has been, uh, I suppose, beating this drum for a number of years. She took it to the point that she actually established the Refill Mill in Mullingar. Evelyn, by means of an introduction to the listeners, can you just give us a quick recap about your business and when it started? Yes, no problem, Ronan. Um, thanks for having me on. So I run the refill mill. We're a minimal waste refill shop based in Mullingar. 
And the idea behind the shop is to encourage people to bring in their own containers um, and they can refill those containers with things like dried foods, herbs and spices. We've got um, personal care, things like shampoo and body wash. And then we have all the household cleaners as well. So essentially we have all of the basics essentials for your for your weekly shop, except without the plastic packaging. You bring your own packaging with you. And people have really embraced this idea. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough at the beginning to try and convince people and tell them what I was doing, but the, re- the work is really not out there now. And people are on board with it and they see that it makes sense. So our customer base is growing all the time and more people are coming in all the time. Because even if you're not really... Um, Conscious of the environment, most people are absolutely sick of the amount of plastic packaging coming in and out of their homes. It's it's getting kind of out of hand at this stage. Um, so we're offering a small solution to that problem. I think it is. I think there's not there's nobody listening who probably hasn't noticed at some point. And in kind of in every aspect, like even even kids' school lunches now, and and you know even going to games, going to parties, we, we're seeing that the inc- a huge increase in the amount of waste as well. Do a lot of your customers though? Do they find it an easier switch than they might have originally have anticipated? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it isn't really it, you know when the plastic bag um, tax came in first, people were outraged by it, and then it just became second nature to throw your bags into your into your car when you're going into town and it's pretty much the same thing it's you know you finish your washing up liquid bottle you put it into your car and you bring it into town the next time you're going um we're making it really simple for people um and usually we'll like fill it up for people as they go on about their business and and we do a lot of the work for them and this and you can collect it on your way back so um we're trying to make it as easy as possible for everybody so um because we know like shopping we try to make it as convenient as possible so that's one of our our jobs as well. Yeah, convenience is often that word that uh, kind of you know it le- it lends itself or it kind of automatically makes you think of of lots of waste, lots of single use stuff too. But a huge part of your your drive has been the kind of education piece as well. You've been delivering some workshops across the year um, around Mullingar. You've one coming up this week as well. Tell us about that and and where it's taken place. Yeah, brilliant. So I will be in Mullingar Library this um, Thursday evening at half six. Um, until half seven and I'll just be doing a talk on how to reduce plastic waste. So the topic itself is it's quite overwhelming if you're just saying okay I want to reduce waste um, where to even start can be a little bit intimidating so I'll be going through the basic tips of what you can do in your home what you can do in your workplace and what you can do when you're out and about. Um, It's not going to be the kind of preachy talk that you might expect. It's really really practical um, I'm coming from a place where I used to be very wasteful myself and had to take all these steps. So I'm I'm basically I'm basically talking about what the steps that I took and how how um, it becomes easy over time to kind of incorporate it into your lifestyle. From so a, um, yeah, from a business perspective, what are you know? I'm, there's always a couple of I, I dare I say low hanging fruit. What are the kind of easy things that people can look at immediately? I think the easiest place to start is always um, is the kitchen. So, like, it's even in the staff can- canteen is to reduce waste there by refilling bottles, by um, implementing um, a keep cup policy where you don't have single-use coffee cups. Little initiatives like that save huge amounts of waste. So, and you can take the small wins. You might as well take the small wins and work towards the bigger things as well. Um, the principles of reducing your waste is is the same no matter what area you're looking at. And what you need to do is um, know what you're throwing away first. So kind of auditing the amount of rubbish that's going through and seeing, looking around and seeing what's there is, is a great place to start because then you have the power and the knowledge of what where the waste is coming from, what it is, and then what you need to reduce. So 
Um, we'll be talking a little bit that, about that on, on um, Thursday evening. I'm sure people probably need a little bit you know, more education too and, and, and you kind of touch on there where that waste is going. Just because something goes in a recycle bin does not automatically mean it's been recycled into another product. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, whether we're putting the right things into the recycling bin or not, it's all a bit of a minefield. Um, so, it, yeah, yeah, there's, 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 a lot, there's a lot of um, work to be done around the education of what goes into the recycling bin and what happens afterwards. So um, I think if we all knew exactly where it was going, I think we would be reducing the waste rather than considering recycling to be the option. So, Do you think people, um, do you think it would make a difference? Do you think, you know, at the core, do people actually care where it's going? Is, is that, a, it's just too convenient to get rid of it? I suppose it, <laughs> there's a percentage of the population that do care and there's others that don't. Um, but it is scary the amount the amount that's actually ended up in landfill or incinerated or ended up in the, the sea. Um, only a small percentage of what's actually been put in the recycling bins is recyclable and is um, actually being recycled. Now that's not to say not to recycle your products. It's absolutely essential that we do do it. Um, but it's not the solution. I think reducing the waste is definitely the solution. We can't just keep consuming the way that we are at the minute. Um, it's getting a little bit out of control. And of course, when we see weekends like Halloween and again, the sheer amount of waste that's already been generated, even just between sweet wrappers, but all the extra paraphernalia and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and, and once that's down, I mean, I was actually in a coffee shop uh, close to the station this afternoon and the Halloween decorations are hanging side by side with Christmas. Like we're right into that already. So we, we just don't stop. We can't just pigeonhole it and say, well, it's just Halloween. This is going to be replicated month on exactly. month really for every year. So what, what's going to compel people to change, do you think? Well, I think that knowing um, the problem is, is one thing, but also knowing what you can do. Because um, it's very easy to say, oh, well, there's so much plastic waste. But it's if you give people the options of what you can do instead of using it. So, I mean, we're talking about um, Halloween. One of the big things about Halloween is the decorations. It's not just the costumes as well. And it, like you said in the introduction there, it's the single-use things. Um, and not getting caught up in the gimmicks that come around it. Um, one thing in particular, I might just say, in case it encourages people not to use it next year, is you know those kind of plastic spider webs. Um, yeah. I, I just I've noticed an increase in those this year, um, all over fences and gates and things, and those are incredibly damaging to wildlife and um, birds, bats, um, insects, and everything gets stuck in those. So if it's if it's a case of just reducing, not using um, decorations like that. Is is better than than nothing, do you know? So it's switching over take, more natural. Taking taking those and small and steps, and I know with them as well. Yeah. Um, I tried those one year, and we put them on a tree or a bush, and taking them off was an absolute disaster. I think a year later, oh, it was yeah. still bits hanging, so uh, <laughs> they're not going up in my yeah. house. But actually, I didn't think of it from that reason. It was more because of the the effort it took to take it off again. But I think that's yeah. exactly it. it's those you actions. Your one way. <laughs> we absolutely we need to take at a business level and on a personal level too, and and hopefully bring about change. But. Uh, uh, Evelyn Fitzpatrick, thank you so much for coming on this evening as well. All the very best with that work. So just gives a reminder again, it's on this coming Thursday, is it, in Mullingar? This Thursday in Mullingar Library. It's a free talk and you can book in on um, the westmeadculture.e.
Evelyn, thanks a million for that and all the very best with, with, with everything Thank there in the Refill Mill too. Um, you'll check out the Refill Mill in Mullingar online there across all the various socials too. And of course, as well as the plastic-free uh, nature of the business, um, you're also getting high-end, top-class and oftentimes artisan and craft products there as well within, within Evelyn's business. So it definitely worth checking out the Refill Mill. Time for a quick break. After that, find out how digital marketing, how you can revolutionise your strategies and your approach to it using artificial intelligence. Talk to you shortly. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Hey, welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Nothing too scary, I hope, on this evening's show for you. But uh, what is still to come on the show? Looking at the legal requirement on companies to begin to report their sustainability actions and initiatives. That's that non-financial reporting that has been mooted for quite a while. But big moves have been made. And, and very shortly, more businesses than the, the big kind of multinationals will have to begin reporting on those various initiatives. Find out about how you can go about doing that, but also how you can get your staff motivated to be part of that process in a little while on the show. And before we go this evening, we're also going to look at the... um Buyers legal or the seller's legal pack, it is it has gone. It's a proposal that has gone through the second stage in the doll. So hopefully, it will become an act within the next uh, short while. But it's a significant move because it can potentially have the conveyancing time for new property purchases. So Pat David from IPAV will be on to talk about the latest developments in that bill very a little bit later on the show too. But before that, you might have seen in the papers recently there was some talk about uh, Meta, you know, the owner of Facebook and Instagram, and pretty much many of the apps that a lot of us use on a daily basis. They may begin charging for people to use their platforms, particularly if you want to have them advert free. So if you don't want those ads popping up on your Facebook that, you know, showcase products that apparently you like based on what you're interacting with, most people seem to find them uh, intrusive and entirely misaligned with what they're actually looking for or indeed what their interests are. However, if you want to avoid that, you can choose to pay that. It's going to be something like $10 a month across Europe and many American countries as well. But of course, the way Instagram and Facebook and all these platforms operate is all based on algorithms. They're big businesses at the end of the day too, so it's no surprise they're beginning to charge. And uh, They might say or pitch it that they're offering what customers want, but anybody who uses those platforms for business probably notes and, and sees these frequent changes that really change the way you can use the platform and indeed the way you can reach organisations. And actually lots of businesses lately have found that when it comes to Instagram in particular, you now can't tag products in posts where previously you could tag them for free. Now you have to pay for that privilege and that can be rather off-putting for some businesses, it can be detrimental for other businesses and really it can be a bit of a minefield. So when it comes to digital marketing strategies and, and how to really nail this for your company, there's probably nobody better place to, to, to speak about this than Ashling Hurley. Ashling is the founder of the Business Ferry based in Vickerstown and County Leash and uh, really and truly is an expert across all things digital marketing. And Ashling joins me now. Very good evening, Ashling. Hi, Ronan. How are you? Thanks very much for having me. Ashling, loads of small business in particular, and even, even big brands, they are very much dependent and reliant on social media platforms to generate business, to generate followers, to get their awareness of their product out there too. However, it's a constantly changing landscape, is it? How do businesses, number one, get up to speed with what the current uh, way for, way, thing to do is, and also how to stay ahead of any changes that are coming? Yeah, I mean, it's hard, you know. I think people, we've been kind of saying it for years, really, but you have to remember the only thing you actually own online is your website, which is why, you know, and I know it's hard for small businesses and startups in particular, but as soon as you can, really get some form of website up there because you can control that. And, you know, if you do it correctly, 
Um, you can set it up correctly for search engine optimization, which really and truly is still, you know, the only game in town. You have to remember, as you were saying, that the platforms are businesses themselves. They're answerable to um, investors. You know, Apple hasn't helped the situation with their privacy settings. The GDPR thing has affected them badly in Europe because they can't advertise where they want to advertise. So that's what has caused um, all of this to happen, you know. But I think, like, word of mouth, if you still need a mix of offline and online and sometimes people are talking to me and they think it's some form of magic bullet but it's not you know you still need the mix so don't forget that um you really need to think about who you're selling to you know just get the basics really who's the customer persona what um can we serve those whether it's product or services making sure you have all those key phrases dotted across your site and your um images videography copywriting is all you know done for optimization and then you use your platforms to amplify what you're doing really online so you know of course it is painful i mean we were looking at a client there and um, they post a couple of times a day fairly big retail company they tag at least one product right um and their their average product would be maybe 200 euros and usually their conversions would be between 30 and 100 clicks so for them you know it's going to start getting expensive but they're a big company they can afford it, they just have to strategize around it. Um, I mean, I think as well, where we see a lot of people making a mistake, they forget that you need some form of campaign to get your business out there. You know, you need to think outside the box a little bit. If you can come up with something that's very clever, um, you might need to spend so much in advertising because you could get lift off. So um, I know it's easy for Aldi and Little, etc. But if you just think of something like Kevin the Carrot and how that's taken on a whole um, you know, life of its own, it's trying to think outside the box sometimes that you can avoid having to spend quite so much on advertising. Absolutely. I think we've all seen uh, one of those supermarkets uh, creating their own leisure wear, including socks and yeah. now, so it's sometimes it, there's no limit as to how far they'll go. But actually, Ashing, a lot of what you've said there is almost marketing 101. The kind of core principles yeah. actually haven't changed. So really, it's how you use those platforms. And you said having that kind of both on and offline presence, having the web presence and using the other tools then just to sort of get the message out there. So we shouldn't be relying on the social media channels then. Is that is that the kind of key message here? Yeah, I mean, um, any strategies we develop, I mean, even I would have worked with Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen recently and um, I'm sure people know him. He's the interior designer. Most people would associate him with changing rooms back in the day. Um, and they're going through, you know, succession planning really where it's his daughters are now taking over the business. So we were looking at ways to kind of maximize that and, um, um, you know, how can, how can we make his products more interesting, etc. And a lot of people didn't realize he's an amazing artist. So even him, you know, we were looking at a strategy for him and part of the strategy going forward was let's focus on the art. I mean, it's just incredible art um, and drive more awareness about that because people have kind of pigeonholed him into just this interior designer. They hadn't realized how talented he was, you know. So he's adapted that and now kind of a year, just over a year down the road, he's having gallery openings. So even someone who's that famous and that well-known has to look at the business and have to go, right, you know, where do what do I need to change here? What can I change? Um, maybe there's a different route we can kind of focus on. So as you say, it is marketing 101. Don't forget about radio. Um, honestly, it's still great advertising. Um, preaching to the converted Ronan. <laughs> oh, well, our figures, our numbers back that up. Don't worry. Exactly. And podcasts, I mean, something amazing, like 63% of people who listen to podcasts buy a product 
or a service that's mentioned within the podcast because they're so tribal. So there's lots of things you can do. You know, TV has never been more affordable because they're under pressure themselves. Um, you can rent one of the rooms now up in uh, TV3 there in Dublin and you can go in and do your own filming and it's it's affordable even for a small business, you know. Um, think about your OOH as it's known, which is out-of-home advertising. So your street signs, you know, you see those rotating signs. You can actually get super deals on those um, if you get in touch with the companies in advance and just say, look, I want to buy space um when it's free and they will give you discounts because they do actually get times throughout the year when those signs are silent and they need a client in and they'll give you brilliant deals. So just, you know, think about things like that. There's more than one way to skin a cat, you know. What are the kind of main components then of a digital marketing strategy? And I guess crucially, you know, uh, what's the life cycle of a, of a, of a marketing strategy given the, the, the change with all these various channels and the way that we're, we're marketing stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, like your website, honestly, I think people underestimate that. Um, But you need to make sure that it's correctly optimized. There's no point having an amazing looking website um, if it's not search engine optimized. So you need to take a step back and think about what do I need to get found for? What am I selling? Both brand key phrases and actual, you know, product key phrases. Think about long tail keywords. How can I weave these phrases into maybe blog titles or something like that? Think about video content. That's, you know, it's been hot for ages but it's really hot now um, just don't spend too much time making videos you can um, sell yourself quite easily on short videos you know people don't watch much beyond six seconds maybe 30 seconds max it has to be very interesting you know you can use apps like CapCut C-A-P-C-U-T if you download that to your phone you can actually um, film little bits of footage maybe even over a week throw them all into CapCut trim them up you can add music you can add text um, there's another system you can get. It's a monthly fee, but it's called promo.com. And you can also do quite a lot of really good uh, videos with that. But I say CapCut, most agencies, most retail people, big companies would be using that CapCut system and it's completely affordable. There's a free version and then a paid for version. So I think think about things like that and think about what is the message? What do you stand for? Um, people buy from people and they, uh, you know, they it's far easier to sell if you have an emotional connection. So you really, really need to think about that. Why would someone buy from you? It's never just about your product or service, you know. But does it all matter because it's an artificial intelligence going to just replace all you marketers eventually and, and it'll be all just so simple. We'll just click a couple of buttons and there'll be a digital marketing <laughs> strategy and a content plan for, for the next 12 months. Is that not the case? I'm, I'm actually so glad you brought that up because um, I've been training AI of working with a few different systems because tech is originally my background. And um, we've just recently actually mapped out the digital marketing, pro- well, a marketing process basically um, using ChatGPT because there's lots of different systems, as I say, that I'm playing with and that we're training. And I want to see, right, what's possible actually using this system. Um, now, yes, of course, you can ask it to write a blog or whatever, but that's not where the skill is. The skill is in actually looking at the different components. So, like, if you're thinking of, um, Everything really, you know, you can use it from anything from planning to actually the marketing landscape. You can get it to track your competitors. So spend time um, developing prompts. I think sometimes people maybe get a bit disillusioned with it as well, but it's not like Google. So in Google, um, you know, you can part fill something and it will fire you back an answer. With systems like ChatGBT, you actually have to give it a very detailed instruction and a very detailed prompt. But when you do that, we've been able to map it out across 
um, all areas, you know, including helping you to develop out your KPIs. We've done insights with it. We've been able to optimize sites with it. We've used it um, to create um, new products, new innovations. So we've trained it. So the, the key to it, and again, you have to learn how to do it. It does take time to do it, you know. Um, you have to go in at the start and really educate it as to this is what you are, this is what you're about, this is what I want to do, and you build and build and build and build, and eventually it will become um, another member of your team. I mean, that's what's happened. So we've recently run an AI um, digital marketing um, mapping course using ChatGBT with SkillNets, and we're working on another one, and it was incredible. You know, we, it was all kind of a new experience just to test and for me as well having developed out these prompts to test will they work for other people and the success rate was really unbelievable you know um but again it's training and knowing how to do it and i think the other thing people might be thinking about is eu legislation coming in at the end of the year um where you're going to need to have an ai policy and an ai framework in place um so people mightn't even be thinking of that either so you know there's a lot around it it's not just throwing it in and write me a blog post there's you know you can do so much with it you can get it to do research you can even summarize entire books if you know how to prompt it correctly and um, um, it's an amazing tool absolutely but sometimes i think if you get it to summarize a book or an article it's a bit like you know if you're looking for directions or using google maps it's no harm to have a fair idea where you're meant to be going in the first place because you know oh, and again yeah. and i think yeah. is, is that the kind of biggest kind of failing people have they may just open up chat gpt and ask it to produce a digital marketing strategy but that's just so it's just such a vague instruction you really have to nail get down into the the nitty-gritty of what you want i mean there's also the buyer psychology you know when we're developing our campaigns or whatever so again parts of that course i would have been explaining to businesses um right so this is why we do that in the first place this is why you know we're trying to do this particular tactic so it's not i suppose it's like excel it's how good is the person that's putting the information in You, you know and as you say you still need to validate your data you need to know what you're talking about in the first place um i'm sure people remember the case about the lawyer who um for some reason and decided to trust ChatGPT. He was uh, having a case a few months ago in the US and got ChatGPT to um, quote all the cases. Of course, thought he was obviously trying to cut down on his workload, walked into the courtroom, had not validated any of his data, and the judge stopped halfway to question him, and none of the cases were real. So people need to understand as well that the system does this thing called hallucinating. <laughs> so if it doesn't have the information, it just makes it up. So you have to be very careful. You know, you can easily destroy your business as well. They're putting out the wrong information um so it's all about knowing what you're looking for understanding um yes this research is real or you know that um customer journey mapping is correct you know you have to be able to validate it but it is working off a database that of of existing companies and information that's out there in the field so it's going to give you it's going to give you that sort of almost rough roadmap as to where you want to go it's up to you though to cross-check all those various destinations and intersections are correct with where your business is going. That's it. You know, you have to be very careful of bias as well. And I think sometimes people don't think about that. So as you say, it's scraping information from everywhere, right? So it's trained, the free version is trained up to, I think, September 21. And then there's another super duper version you can get that's trained up to January 22. So you have to be always aware of that. The other thing is it's um, basing the output on um, information that it's been trained on. So you can very easily get biased information through it. Like recently, only within the last 
last couple of weeks. Um, there were tests run, Nanot and ChatGPT on the journey, I think it was, to create um, culturally appropriate Barbies because the Barbie movie was so huge, obviously. And um, the Barbies that came back, all of them were white. So, you know, no cultural representation whatsoever. And it was that bad. The German um, Barbie actually had a Nazi uniform on. So it is only as good as the information that is being put into it. So that's another thing I think people don't realise. We have a responsibility. I mean, without doubt, um, AI is going to do a lot of our work, you know, in the near future. Um, so how we train it will determine how it interacts with us and how it does its work for us. So it's not like learning how to use Excel or how to use Facebook. You know, it's a completely, uh, it's almost like a living, breathing thing of its own, you know. And of course, every every minute that goes by, it's getting more information too. And you know, once that information is clean and good, I mean, it, it really is just good data analytics at the end of the day, but it can only work on his, on, on the information that it has. But uh, I suppose very briefly, actually, should, should every business that's using any sort of digital marketing tools be now becoming aware of, of what artificial intelligence can do for them? Oh, I think so. And, you know, I know there's different arguments. Like, I mean, when you see people like Jeffrey Hinton uh, leaving Google and Mustafa Suleiman, um, you, you know, okay, they might have other agendas, but basically worrying about um, how quickly the neural um, pathways are talking to each other and learning from each other. They're already a thousand times more powerful than a human brain, do you know? But I think you just have to embrace it and try, map it to your business processes. You know, just take a breather for a minute and look at your business overall and go, right, where can AI fit into my business? Will it fit into my business? Um, I think there will come a point when we will all be using it. You're going to let, really, you probably will get left behind if you're not using it. I mean, some of the jobs in the future are definitely going to be prompt engineers you know, because you have to talk to them in a certain way. Um, so I think just take a look, see where you can apply it. It's not ChatGPT. There's loads of different systems out there. You can train your own. Um, it's just looking at the skill set within your company and what's achievable for you and make it work for your business and what you need. Don't just embrace it because, you know, you think everybody else is doing it. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you have a background in software originally because I think anybody that's any any form of software developer has been using the likes of AI for the last couple of years to really expedite the work they're doing and then polish it up and present it as their own. But anyway, that's the clever tools. Yeah. I think that that's going to apply to so <laughs> many jobs as well. You, of course, as well as yeah. the business fair, you, you have a hand in a number of very successful companies as well, including Team Woodcraft, who have gone beyond being an Enterprise Ireland level company at this point as well. How is all with that company? Thanks so much for asking. Yeah, that was our first company and the business fair was a spin out of that actually. So um, Team Woodcraft, basically for people who don't know, is a specialist joinery firm that goes all over the world um, doing fit outs for companies and quite a lot of Irish bars actually. But thanks for mentioning them because at the moment they are looking for fitters and joiners. So if anybody is listening, whether, you know, if you have experience, brilliant. If you are a good apprentice, we will also um, be very interested in talking to you. So pop an email to info at Team Woodcraft, T-E-A-M-W-O-O-D-C-R-A-F-T dot com um, or give them a buzz and look for Liam. Their website's teamwoodcraft.com. They're currently working on jobs in the US and Spain. So it's great opportunities to travel as well. Um, so thank you so much for letting me give that little plug. <laughs> not at all, no, again, because I, I know you, br- you bring so much to the table too and it's not just a digital marketing and the fact that the business very spun out of Team Woodcraft originally and uh, many other kind of little organisations and consultancies are, are coming too. But uh, as always, Ashley, right up, right on point with, with where current thinking is. Uh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on and all the very best with all those endeavours and we'll talk to you very soon on Taking Care of Business. Thanks so much, Ronan. Thank uh, you. That's Ashley Hurley there, the founder of The Business Ferry. The businessferry.ie is their website. You'll find them 
across all social media channels. So if you're not using AI for your digital marketing, uh, you should be. You should have at least having a look and seeing what it can do. And uh, don't be put off by maybe the first time you use it because it's when you dig down deep and you really teach it and, 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 and keep that conversation you're having with the AI going, it can unearth some gold dust for your business too. Don't trust everything, make sure you, you check it and validate it against your own business and your own uh, learning and experience too. Now, time for a quick break because when we speak about all things like we did at the start of the show, sustainability and reducing waste and reducing our carbon footprints, very shortly businesses will be compelled to actually report on this, the non-financial metrics behind your business. Theresa Han Campbell will talk to you about why that's happening and what you to be aware of in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Theresa Han Campbell is a regular contributor to Taking Care of Business. She is a workplace architect and she's the director of Total Human Capital Consultancy Limited, based in Glebe House at Loan. And uh, Theresa joins me now to talk about, I suppose, as she has been doing over the past number of months, talking about the various initiatives and you know changes in legislation and changes in attitudes and behaviours, etc., that really impact on the way we do businesses and particularly how we work with and manage the people within our businesses. One thing that businesses really need to be aware of is the upcoming Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. Very good evening, Teresa. Can you take us through this CSRD and what it means for, for businesses on the ground here in the Midlands? Hey, good evening, Ronan. Lovely to be with you again. Indeed, the EU's uh, CSRD, it's a regulatory framework proposed by the European Commission to improve sustainability reporting by companies operating within the EU. I suppose its aim is really to enhance the transparency and comparability of sustainability information provided by companies facilitating sustainable finance and decision making. So it's designed to replace and expand upon the existing non-financial reporting directive that some would know as the NFRD. It establishes a mandatory sustainability reporting requirement for a wider range of companies, including SMEs, small and medium-sized. In the NFRD non-financial reporting directive mainly applies to large public interest entities, but this new one uh, extends its scope to include more companies, making it more comprehensive. Now, it aims to harmonise and standardise sustainability reporting to make it more relevant and obviously the data more reliable and comparable, etc. But there's another angle to it. It has introduced a new digital reporting format, the European Sustainability Reporting Standard, ESRS, to improve, obviously, reporting, accessibility and usability of the sustainability data that's gathered. So you can see how that would, with our globalisation, etc., etc., how that um, uh, digitisation is so important. Yeah, you could you could imagine that harmonising the reporting mechanisms would be of huge importance because different companies mm-hmm. may choose to report on different aspects in different ways, and and therefore maybe you know maybe make a make a fudge of exactly what's happening there. But the the, legis- the the legislation for this was first announced in April twenty twenty one. When is this? When are we looking at this actually becoming becoming a legal requirement for companies? It, it, it's a short time frame. They, they reckon uh, twenty twenty five reporting on the twenty twenty four year. So that's a, a ambitious, very short time frame. So it would be very, very important that those companies that it applies to would get themselves updated fairly fast. 
So it'll apply to a wider range of companies, including all large and listed companies and some SMEs. But some PIEs, public interest entities with over 500 employees, will also be subjected to the CSRD requirements. And certain large non-PIEs with over 500 employees will also be drawn into that net. So uh, I suppose its impact is putting financial and non-financial information on a level playing pitch. So companies will need to report on a broader set of sustainability topics, ensuring better coverage of the ESGs that has become a buzzword in all workplaces now, environmental, social and governance factors. So with the the digitisation of data, etc., improved comparability and reliability of data, it'll help investors, consumers and regulators assess companies' sustainability performance more effectively. So it it sounds as though there will be no place to hide. If if you're in the net, you're in the net and you would uh, better adhere uh, to the requirements. There's probably not too many companies out there who in some, wouldn't actually welcome this. You know, they're probably going about trying to at least get a, a good handle on, on exactly what's happening in their business from a sustainability or circularity perspective as well. But for business owners or leaders listening right now, what sort of steps should they be looking at in order to ensure they're ready for the, the CSRD when it is brought in? So I suppose it, it would be incumbent on company leaders in Ireland, like in other EU member states, to take proactive steps to prepare for the full implementation, especially in light of the short time frame. So stay informed. Watch the legislation as it emerges and as uh, the developments, the, the aligned developments come into play. Assess the applicability. Is your company, does your company fall under the ambit for the CSRD? Uh, review your current reporting practices. That's huge. Evaluate your company's existing sustainability reporting practices. Identify the gaps and areas where improvements are needed to meet the CSRD requirements. So very often the introduction of new initiatives like this and new frameworks cause us to uh, review what's in place, update it and, and uh, become in line with the law as, as it is. Data collection and management, obviously, then, ensure that your organisation has robust data collection and management systems in place for sustainability uh, information, covering the ESGs, as we already talked about. Engage your stakeholders. So actively engage the key stakeholders, such as your investors, customers, employees, regulatory bodies, so that you all understand that you understand their expectations and needs regarding sustainability reporting. Uh, adoption then, prepare for transition to the ESRS for digital reporting. And that may demand uh, an updating of your reporting software and processes. Compliance readiness, develop a compliance strategy that includes a clear timeline for meeting the CR. CSRD obligations once the directive is fully implemented. This may involve appointing a responsible team or an officer for CSRD compliance. And then materiality assessment is huge, particularly in the financial world. Conduct and revisit a materiality assessment to identify and prioritise the most significant ESG topics that should be reported under this CSRD. Risk management will come into it. Reporting frameworks, familiarise yourself with the CSRD reporting requirements and align your reporting practices with the directive guidelines. 
And that involves a whole area of a CPD for your, your employees as well. Updating everybody so that everybody understands and interprets the framework in the same way. External assurance. Consider whether you need external assurance for your sustainability reports to enhance credibility and meet investors and regulatory uh, expectations. Training and capacity building. Ensure your team has the necessary skills and expertise to meet the CSRD requirements and invest in training and uh, capacity building as needed. Obviously, your peers are very important. Collaborate with your peers. And there's no point in trying to reinvent the wheel. So get heads together on the interpretation and application of this whole framework. Collaborate with industry peers and associations to share the best practices and insights on preparing for the CSRD. Uh, Transparency and communication. So be transparent about your commitment to sustainability and communicate your progress and goals to internal and external stakeholders. It all represents a change, a huge change, and many people are change adverse. So you may come uh, across a lot of roadblocks. You can, yeah, you can imagine that's where, where business probably really need to get in speed of this as well, that it, it, it could be a major change too, that it's it's going from being a kind of a, a nice thing to do to actually a legal requirement as well. And as you pointed out, yeah. it's, it's coming down the tracks uh, very, very quick and fast. And undoubtedly, people like yourselves and THC Consult will can play a huge role with our organisations in, in helping them sort of bring in those new initiatives and, and bring the team along because uh, it's definitely, you know, it's not just again it's not that nice to have it's something that's coming thick and fast but uh, Teresa as always thank you so much for coming on and giving us that comprehensive detail on on these things that are changing and um, you know it's so important for companies to be aware of that and if they haven't heard of it before they definitely know of it now Teresa Hancampo thank you so much the process if if anybody wishes to get in touch with uh, me at THC Consult 0858115811 thank you very much Teresa as always Teresa Hancampo there from THC Consulting uh, based in Athlone and uh, you know, really kind of at that forefront of exactly where you should be thinking in terms of your organisation and, and what's coming down the tracks as well. So that CSRD is definitely want to check out the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive wants it applied to just kind of large-scale multinationals, but quite soon many SMEs will fall into that bracket as well. So be ready, be prepared and start working on that now. To have a quick break after that, find out about how the uh, seller's legal pack has passed the second stage of the doll and what that means for the conveyancing process. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. The Sellers Legal Pack for Property Buyers Bill 2021 has passed the second stage of the doll. Uh, Pat David, of course, is the CEO of the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers, or IPAV. He's a Castle Pollard man. Pat, a very significant uh, week for, for everybody involved with this bill. What does passing the second stage mean for it? Passing the second stage means, uh, Ronan, that uh, the bill now goes to committee stage where it can be discussed by the different parties who have an interest in the actual bill, maybe put down amendments to it, etc., before it comes back to the Shannon's and the Dáil again. If you come back to the Dáil for the next reading, which is probably the fourth step in the procedure after the committee stage, when people have uh, actually had a look at it, a good look at it, and seeing if there were, uh, uh, they want to put down amendments to it. And after that, hopefully, when it comes back to the Dáil, uh, it will be approved. It'll be approved in the Shannon, and then it'll come into law. That's our plan, and hopefully that'll happen sometime in the early 2024, um, which is a great thing from our point of view for the property services industry because of the fact that uh, if this bill comes into being, all of the legal documents associated with the sale will have to be produced up front 
So when you put your property on the market, you'll have to have your legal pack ready. And hence, all of the legal documents are there in the event of when you sell the property. It will go through quickly in a four to six week period is what we hope. So we're hoping that this is going to be a game changer in the property sales in Ireland, Ronan. It absolutely sounds like I think anybody who's been involved in a transaction such as that will know it can be quite an expedited process. It can go on for, for many, many months and, and, and somewhat unnecessarily at times as well. It's been a huge body of work for you so far to get it past stage two and it sounds very promising that the next phases could be quite quick. Yeah, well, I don't know if it'll be quite quick. I don't know if anything is quick in, 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 in all air. I don't know, obviously, a lot about the procedure either. I'm, I'm tagging along, basically, honest. So that we're hoping that it will be. But for anybody who's buying or selling a property at the moment, it's a very trying time for them, uh, full of different things that could happen and, uh, and, and a hassle for most people uh, because this isn't, that document isn't there and that document isn't there and you can't close the sale. And somewhere between 14 and 16 weeks is taken at the moment to get stage when a property contract is only signed. So hopefully now with all of the documents that will be collected up front, this will speedy speed and uh, speed up the process and hopefully it won't take near that long to close the sale. That's what we're hoping and it's good for consumers. Consumers and gizumping and gizundering will be, it won't be a thing of the past, but it'll certainly cut down the amount of time that that can happen. So it's, very, it's, it's more like a consumer piece of legislation, which we're delighted about. And probably all very timely because even reports this week that the number of new buyers taking out mortgages probably is at the highest level in 16 years as well. So great activity in the market too. And if we can speed up that process, uh, all sounds very positive. Pat, apologies for time being short. I'll let you back to trick-or-treating and uh, we'll find out more about this bill uh, as, as it advances through the doll. But uh, thank you for that this evening. No bother, Roland. Thank you and happy Halloween. Thank you, Pat. Pat is the CEO of IPAV, the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers. Well, that's it for me this evening. Uh, time for me to don the costume and go trick-or-treating and gathering sweets from all around the town. Um, enjoy the rest of the, the celebrations and I'll talk to you next week from 7pm. Joe's here next with Country Roads. Taking care of business. Returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Let's what up.